Welcome to Not Your Mother's Menopause, Making Hormones Make Sense, with Dr. Fiona Lovely. Dr. Lovely is an expert on health, treating women and their families from around the world. Her specialities include endocrinology, functional neurology, and functional medicine. Please visit us at drlovely.com. And now, here's the doctor. Let me tell you about Athletic Greens. Eating well and taking all the recommended supplements can be just another task for the to-do list. Even if we do our best with eating a healthy diet, many of us could benefit from a nutritional boost. Athletic Greens is an excellent way to get those nutrients in an easy-to-take form. One tasty scoop of Athletic Greens contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food-sourced ingredients like medicinal mushrooms, probiotics, prebiotics, adaptogenic herbs for adrenal health, and more. The Greens Superfood Blend helps to fill the nutritional gaps in our diet and tastes good too. We have been taking it daily in our house for a few months now, and we love the convenience of the high-vibe nutrition it gives. As a physician, I love that it has clean-sourced ingredients to help with gut health, immunity, brain health, and cellular function in one easy step. It has replaced many other supplements in that one scoop in our house. Athletic Greens is offering my community a one-year supply of liquid vitamin D and five travel packs with your first purchase for free. Visit athleticgreens.com forward slash Fiona Lovely to take advantage of this offer. Hey, it's Dr. Fiona Lovely here for the Not Your Mother's Menopause podcast. How you doing? I have the pleasure today of interviewing Sherry Mateo of JayaLife.com. She and her partner, Barb Imhoff, have come together to create uh, a fairly new offering, isn't it, Sherry? Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Yeah, we just started in uh, 2021. <laughs> awesome. That was our year of innovation as human beings, isn't it? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think so too. Anyways, uh, so excited to have Sherry join me today. And uh, Sherry, if you wouldn't mind, just take a moment and share with us, uh, you know, who you are, what makes you tick. Tell us about your credentials a little bit and uh, whatever you think we need to know, please. Sure. Thanks so much. So first of all, um, Fiona, thank you so much for having us here today. I am thrilled to be on Not Your Mother's Menopause, uh, a topic that is near and dear to my heart. Um, and um, yeah, I would love to tell you about the formation of Dialife. So it's so funny that you said this was our year of innovation because it's so true. Um, I think, uh, look, the pandemic had uh, a lot of downs for us as it did for everybody. Um, but I would say the one upside of it was an opportunity to reevaluate what's important to us and then to say, you know what, we're going to take concrete steps in a direction towards living those values. Um, so that's partly how Jaya Life came to be. So um, Jaya Life was formed when my partner Barb and I met at a, believe it or not, cannabis convention in Pasadena. <laughs> 
So Barb and I are both advanced practice nurses, which means that we have a master's in nursing and we have different specialties. Barb is an acute care nurse practitioner and I'm a certified nurse midwife in the United States. So we um, both have a lot of experience working clinically and we both also have um, experience as administrators in our respective systems. So we know healthcare, kind of from the inside out. We know it, first of all, as women and as patients, but then we also know it as practitioners and as healthcare administrators. So we had gone to this conference um, in Pasadena, and while there, uh, we bonded over our shared experiences. And to be clear, um, you know, these are basic, these are our basic shared experiences of being women of a certain age, being moms, wives, daughters of aging moms, um, being medically interested in cannabis, but also being nursing professionals who both of us in separate systems had become very disenchanted with the medical model of wellness, uh, where uh, a patient is defined by their lab values, their meds, and their diagnoses. Um, we just believed that there's there's more to health and wellness than that. So we got to talking and we both were feeling like there must be a better way to um, help women like us because women like us are suffering from this horrible disease called menopause. Well, and of, of course, course not, yes. Yeah, yeah. And of course, neither of us believes that menopause is a horrible disease. And nor do I. Right. We, yes. we know that this is a natural part of life, that we are not supposed to be the same static, like a plastic statue forever. We are supposed to evolve and change and grow and learn and, you know, eventually, you know, evolve. Um, you know, effectuate basically a higher consciousness. So um, we were thinking, you know, how, what, what is real, what has, what has worked for us and what hasn't worked for us as we have been, you know, as we have come into this era and, and been dealing with our separate issues, um, you know, for uh, Barb, uh, she's mostly been, she had mostly been dealing with hot flashes and sleep disruption. And for me, my sleep has always been disrupted because of my job as a midwife. I go back and forth between day shifts and night shifts and day shifts, and sometimes with only a day off in between. Um, and of course, as I entered menopause, I began to put on weight, partly because I stopped you know, doing a lot of physical activity because of the stress of my job. Um, and then you know, just overall decreased resilience that was beginning to manifest in terms of career burnout and anxiety. So grandma's, uh, Barb is a grandma of five. Wow. She is, I know, and she is amazing and is in much better physical shape than me, uh, largely because she has always prioritized physical activity and she's a dancer. So, you know, she was very somatically aware. I was much more of a cerebral person. And so it's all too easy for me to get stuck behind a computer all day, going down the rabbit hole of, you know, Google. So um, I was, you know, I was beginning to realize that most of my issues could be um, addressed 
just by changing my lifestyle. And when the pandemic hit and I really had the time to do something I said I was going to do every single day and never really got in touch with doing, which was meditating, I began to see profound changes. I mean, meditation became something for me that was basically just sitting still in silence. It was not any more of this like guru, do I have to sit cross-legged? Do I have to sit on a Zafu? Do I have to you know, be in a temple? It just be, like I began to realize, no, this is something that is everyday life. It is just a moment to disengage from all of the swirl out there, the information overload, the stress of work or dealing with, you know, teenage kids or whatever, um, and get quiet. So that became very helpful for me. When we realized that, we decided, this is, you know, again, right as the pandemic hit, that she and I were sort of formulating all these beliefs and then beginning to process it over the, that period of isolation that we all went through in March, mm-hmm. we decided that we were going to turn our focus away from practicing advanced practice nursing, uh, which you know has many shared uh, values and procedures with um, medicine. And we were gonna focus on coaching because we began to realize that mindset had as much to do with uh, not only our perception of how well or happy we are, but our actual physicality and mental agility uh, and emotional stability. And it's just important to say that, again, we're not practicing advanced practice nursing. So we're not you know, working with patients who are coming to us for a problem that we are going to medically diagnose and treat, you know, with medications or advice of any expert kind, but we are working with women to help them figure out the best way for them to handle their health and wellness. With this, you know, working with their doctors, of course, but, um, really from what comes within to support the treatment regimen or the great expert advice that you get about nutrition or exercise or whatever. It's so timely what you're doing. And I was just um, talking with one of my students this morning uh, about how when we're navigating perimenopause and beyond, we have to be really careful as coaches and practitioners, not to just overload women with more stuff for our to-do lists, because most of us have gathered these enormous to-do lists just to try to keep the wheels on the bus, right? Yeah. And you mentioned resilience and Mm. that's, you know, I think for me, when I'm helping someone with the transition of, of perimenopause uh, is I'm looking and saying, okay, what's the resilience piece looking like? What are the organ reserves looking like? Like, what can I give a woman at this point that she's going to be able to handle and not just another thing to check off the to-do list or 
Because when it doesn't get checked off, Sherry, then it becomes cannon fodder for our own self-flagellation, which we become mm. really good at as women. And we're taught oh. that, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, we are really good at tearing ourselves down, tearing each other down, yes. judging. Um, and so that's a large part of what mindset is. So, you know, you said this is a good time. Why is it a good time? Well, it's a good time for a couple of different reasons. I mean, first of all, fields like functional medicine and lifestyle medicine have are, are really paving that way of like, well, it's not just about anatomy, physiology, microbes, yeah. and, um, and, and medications. Mm-hmm that there's a lot more at play here. And um, you know, what I love about, I don't, I don't practice functional medicine, so I don't know the ins and outs of it, but from what I understand about it, to me, it kind of mirrors um, you know, more ancient societies, med- medical um, practices like Ayurveda mm-hmm. um, or, or even um, you know, Chinese medicine because they were so much more in tuned to the context of the life around them. Um, the way that uh, Ayurveda was explained to me when I was working with an Ayurveda practitioner was that there is no perfect way to be. There's no, there's no lab value yes. that I'm trying to achieve. There is no perfect body shape or size that I'm supposed to be. Mm. I am supposed to be what is in balance for me for you yes and so that that's affected by my sleep my activity my my relationships mm-hmm. my work and my mental and emotional and physical relationship to my work mm-hmm. and yes it can be helped with medication yep. and it can be helped with herbs and supplements um, it can also be helped by nutrition and what i'm eating and exercise, but the kind of exercise I'm doing. So it's a, it's a really personal interplay where there's not a cookie cutter approach of one size fits all or one dose fits all or one lab value fits all. And instead it's much more of how I feel and look and am functioning mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. that makes that. Work. Yeah. Well, and you know, women's health. So um, yes. that's yes. what's interesting to me. Yes, yes, yes. Women's health. Yeah, what were you going to say about women's health? Especially at perimenopause and beyond, really, is not a monotherapeutic thing you treat. I mean, you can't just chuck a pill at it and be done. It's so nuanced and there's so many pieces and parts to it. Uh, you, you talked about functional medicine. The way I always uh, look at how I'm practicing functional medicine is we find the root cause of how things are happening, you know, how we get right down to where this is coming from. Otherwise, we're just out here treating the branches of the tree and saying, okay, well, you know, why do I have eczema? Well, okay, let's just throw some cream on it on the outside. Okay, but let's talk about, do you have food allergies? How's your gut functioning? What's the the family history? What are the genetics on this? And that's always the way sort of uh, that, that makes the most sense to people, I think, is just to look at it from the root cause. But I love what you said about it's whatever's right for me. It's not one body type or one therapy that's going to work for this particular symptoms, looking at it and saying, where's the diversity in this? And really, we're in an environment right now in medicine where people have to step into the private realm, really, 
uh, to get that kind of care. The menopause mindset is so, so, so important. For years, uh, you know, when I started um, talking to women about menopause, I was still in my 30s. And, um, and my original lectures I did on this that I used to tour around doing uh, was called Not Your Mother's Menopause. And, um, and that's where the podcast was named for, uh, cause I didn't, I got too busy as a clinician. I didn't have the time to go out to be doing these lectures anymore, but, um, I had a slide that talked about the, the two P's of perimenopause. One was the psychology and one was the pharmaceuticals. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. And so what I taught at the time, and I found that this has st- stood the test of time, you know, some 15 years later, I'm still teaching this. The psychology of perimenopause is that at a certain age, women become dried up old hags. And we perpetuate (laughs) this, right? I I may have my days being dried up, but I'm certainly not a hag. (laughs) No, no, no. So there's all of these like things to unpack with the menopause mindset and, um, and, you know, the, the, the programming and the psychology or uh, pharmaceuticals go very much hand in hand. When you look at how the pharmaceutical industry created fear for women in the 50s, the 40s, 50s and 60s about this very thing, they literally had a marketing campaign that sent some guy out, a medical doctor to say, this is what happens. This is why you should take our, our hormones, our Premarin, and, uh, and you won't be uh, dried up and, and uh, an old person anymore anymore. And those things persist. They really do. Now, thankfully, we've had studies that say taking hormones without having them checked is a bad idea, although we're coming back around to that. But that's another podcast for another day. But also just becoming aware of how women were manipulated with this information um, not that long ago that still persists. And as I like to teach my students and my patients, we are part of a generation right now that is trailblazing because not that long ago, women died at this age. Right. 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 So when we go, okay, well, why aren't the elders speaking out and letting us know how, how to do this? Because the elders, those of us, those that were around for it, were so shamed by their bodies. They didn't talk about it. Not only. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Right. I mean, that was my experience with my own mother. That's why I called the lectures, not your mother's menopause, because I tell you, it wasn't my mom who taught me about menopause or menstruation or puberty or any of those things. That was something to be shamed. Right. And that was just her upbringing. Yeah. But um, I just context. Yes. Context. Yes, absolutely. So we have an opportunity as for me, Generation X we're not ones to sit by and let shit just happen without us figuring out why and how to get it done. So it will be my generation uh, that, that, that blazes this trail and hopefully, hopefully makes it easier for women that, comes, that come along after this. And we're also the ones to say, to ask the questions and say, no, I shouldn't be feeling this way. We're not that right. long ago. Women didn't talk about it. Right. So, so the way that I, the way that I look at it is, Men, the problem with menopause is about our attitudes about aging and particularly our attitudes about uh, aging women. So like, think about it. Um, people who can no longer procreate, 
because that's what menopause means. Yep. We've passed out of the procreation phase and into the post-procreation phase of life. Uh, are unattractive and useless as a species, as as a as a as a, um, as a part of the species. Um, but if you think about it, of a sixty-year-old body, a heart that has beaten something like two billion times in that lifetime and is still going has pumped something like 15 no 100 150 million liters of blood in that lifetime and is still going there are definitely cultures who revere their elders for their resilience their knowledge their experience but we don't because that same part of them that has made them knowledgeable, experienced, and revered in our culture, all we see is the decreased productivity. And so, because people get more tired or they're less physically able to work a plow or lift bricks or, or even you know, sit for eight hours at a desk crunching numbers. Absurd, absurd. So this is how we judge our people. Um, and, you know, like, so, and I think that now is part of the time because like so much of the implicit bi uh, bias in our society that we are more and more aware of, um, these, you know, negative isms, you know, ageism, particularly female ageism is one of them. Like, why do we think a man, why, why do we vote in old white men? Around the country. <laughs> these, these are old people. They're not even like on the verge of retirement. Rich. They're like Put rich the in there. old rich and, white and, men. <laughs> right. I mean, what is that about? Why are men sophisticated when they have gray hair and a scruffy beard? Where when we have a scruffy beard and gray hair, <laughs> we're reviled. <laughs> yeah, well. Uh, anyway, my point is that, you know, the, it, it, it's time for this to stop. Absolutely. Because, uh, you know, it, it's a funny thing. We, we idolize, especially, especially in our, you know, Western upper middle class white lady hip yoga culture. We totally love, the, we love quoting, we, we love, we love quoting the monks who sit all day in a monastery in silence, contemplating the world. But we don't revere our own elders who sit more because they are tired, who sit more or do a little bit less physically because they, they can't keep up with the 20 year olds or don't want to. And they are integrating their experience and their life uh, learning in the same way as the monks, but we don't listen to them. We just push them aside um, because they're not hip. They're not, you know, running around like we are. So uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's part of what we just think about aging and it's part of what we've always done with women. Women's bodies are a mystery to men. They're a mystery to us. Yeah. And we're not taking the time to um, not unravel the mystery, 
but explore it. Yes. I don't want to unravel the mystery. Mm-hmm. I want the mystery. Yeah. But, yeah. but also mystery means accepting that some things just are, accepting that some things are just unknown. And instead of like running away from it because it's not quantifiable or replicable in a study, um, instead of that, embracing it and saying, yeah, this is so cool. Wow, what's your experience? What are you going through? Yes. I really think a beautiful opportunity awaits uh, practitioners like you and Barb and myself in bringing women together in groups for those sharings. Well, this is when we get into now Gloria Steinem territory. Uh, if you've re- if you've listened to her, if you've yes. ever like you know heard a podcast with her or read any of her books, she talks about women's circles. Mm. That that was the beginning, the middle, and 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 the ongoing lifeline of um, feminism was when women came together and talked. Oh shared their experiences, affirmed one another's experiences, and then brainstormed about what it meant, how to leverage it or accept it or learn to love it and forgive it, whatever the thing is. Um, She talks about women's circles and that's why group uh, care is becoming so, that's the evidence behind it. You know, we are meant to, we are a species that is meant to live in um, cohabitation. We're supposed to be with other people. We're supposed to be bounded to other people. Um, And uh, when we are able to let our guard down and trust one another and just share the experiences like we're doing right now, Mm. this is empowering. Mm -hmm. And so groups are a wonderful way to do that. Yes, yes, I think so. And I, I know we, we discussed at the beginning of this conversation, you and I uh, and Barbara are all working on separately, you guys together, of course, on our own group uh, health programs and offerings to be discussed sometime very soon. But uh, I just really strongly feel, and we're seeing evidence of this all over the place. Like you said, it's the, why are we glorifying the old white guys not to diminish them? They've had their time. No, it's it's not, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's time for women to come together because this is what we do. We don't, we don't do, I mean, we can do healing as individuals, but when we come together, Gloria Steinem, I love that. I can't believe you dropped that. You are my spirit animal. (laughs) Ah, I love it. Uh, I, I, you know, I've been doing the podcast a long time. I don't think I've ever referenced Gloria Steinem and it's about damn time. God love her. I think I read my first Gloria Steinem book when I was about 13 years old, which explains a lot, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it does explain a lot. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. I probably, my mom had it on her nightstand and I went, oh, this looks interesting. And I was constantly looking for something to read. Um, but anyways, um, group 
healings, the stories that come out of the practitioners that do them, I would love to hear, I know you as a, as a midwife, you've had experience with working women's health in groups. I would love to hear you talk about that a little bit. So I have um, sadly only had very limited experience as a practitioner, but I uh, ran a midwifery program for a while where a whole a large component of it was based on what we call centering pregnancy. So centering is a form of group healthcare uh, that was created with the idea of when you got, if you got pregnant women together with a trained facilitator, you could conduct their prenatal care and it would, it would um, evolve, it, it, would, it would lead to better health and satisfaction outcomes. And I want to say, I, I don't know specifically how long it's been around. I want to say about two decades. Um, it's easy to look up online exactly what it is. But over this time, it has been studied extensively and proven huge evidence, scientific evidence-based to, um, for pregnancy in particular, uh, decrease the uh, rates of uh, low birth weight, decrease the rates of preterm birth in certain high-risk populations, um, increase the satisfaction for all of the women and the families, because often the partners are brought in on these sessions as well, as well as the practitioners. Because what happens is instead of having your monthly 15 minute prenatal checkup with your doctor or nurse practitioner or midwife, you are having a two hour monthly visit. And during that two hour monthly visit, you are going through, um, you are learning about your health and your wellness and what you can do personally without using drugs or anything else to make yourself stronger, more balanced um, and more uh, fit for your pregnancy, but you are also empowering the women in that room because you're giving them the information that they don't necessarily have about their own bodies and what their body is experiencing. Pregnancy is such a cool time because it is, it's so amazing what the human body is capable of doing and um, that's this whole, the whole way that we reproduce is so beautifully, as they say, architectured. Um, okay. Appropriating that for positive. Um, uh, yeah, so beautifully designed uh, and is so resilient. I mean, come on, we've been procreating this way for tens of thousands of years. Um, we're meant to, it's amazing. And what the body goes through, to, you know, the body changes physiologically and mentally that you go through during that journey are profound. So pregnant, so centering pregnancy is a wonderful way to really see how this kind of social, it's really kind of a social integration, uh, intervention, um, changes the experience. Mm, I love and, and the doctors and midwives and nurses who also participate in this and the medical assistants, because they're key to this, actually, um, it, uh, also report much greater satisfaction, knowing their clients so much better, understanding what they're going through, and then being able to tailor their care to them. 
um, because they get to know them on that level. So it's beautiful. So our program focuses on what, what we created, which is, the, which is what we call the VITAL program. And we're sneaky and we, we spell VITAL with two A's. Um, so for us, VITAL stands for vision, identity, trust, awareness, attitude, and lifestyle. And we, uh, you know, we've, we are, we're really, you know, we're in initially embarking on individual coaching to really get to know our sort of clients in, in that very personal way. You know, we think they're like us, you know, women of a certain age who are dealing with all the ups and downs of peri and post-menopause and, um, and all the various symptoms and also medical problems that, that begin to arise, whether it's arthritis. I mean, I think I shared with you, I just had a hip replacement. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I developed arthritis. That's, that's what the, my body did. I did not have, I don't have any specific, uh, you know, condition that led me to this. I don't, I, I have, you know, been a pretty active person for most of my life. I didn't do anything egregious one way or the other. My joints wore down. The cartilage got tired and wore down. Um, so I had a hip replacement and it has been life-changing because now I feel like I can be active the way I want to be again. But putting that aside, the normal changes that develop in our lives, how do we navigate that pathway and maintain our vitality? So as we go into these golden years, we are bringing with us all of that lived experience, all of the love and the knowledge and the, um, I don't know, hopes and dreams that we, we've carried with us throughout our lives and how do we bring it to fruition in our golden years instead of shriveling like a raisin. Oh God, I love this. It's so, so important. You mentioned that other your other cultures are much better at having housing where they're taking care of the youngest and the oldest and everybody has their job in the house. And uh, somehow we have grown up in these sort of separate abodes and then we warehouse our elderly and this sort of thing. And, um, you know, I just, uh, the change, the change needs to come, right? I think, I think it's my hope that during the great pause of 2020, we were able to look at our lives and say, what were the things that were most important? And unfortunately, sometimes it's that it's the stuff that's taken away from us. We don't, we don't recognize the importance of it until it's there. So what you've done with this program is say, look at all these different pillars in your life. Mm -hmm. How are you doing with each of these pillars? And how can we coach you into making your life more robust or making that experience more robust and more healthsome, if you will, healthy, I suppose. Um, and, uh, and uh, it's just, it's just time. It's time. And I love that you guys are bringing the depth of decades of uh, medicine and nursing to this. Uh, you know, the nurses run the whole system as far as I'm concerned. So, <laughs> Well, the nurses really do. Uh, I mean, as an advanced practice nurse, I'm on the outside of that. But man, oh, man, those, those people, they, they really do. But yes. that's what the caring is in, in, in medicine, right? Yes. 
Yes. So two things I want to address here. So yeah. one is what you said before about the timeliness. One of the reasons why it's timely now is because we do have evidence about neuroplasticity and neural reprogramming. What used to be sort of a, hey, wow, woo woo, like hippy dippy trippy, like, oh, I'm gonna change my, the way I think and that's gonna like make me so much as like this, that, or, the, or it's gonna make me a better person. We now know that that's true. Yes. That you can do that, that it doesn't really take all that much. It just really takes an awareness that you can do it. Mm -hmm. And um, that it, it not only, <laughs> It's going to make you a better person because it's going to make you a happier person. But it's also go. It also affects your your physiology. I mean, there are studies out there that you know, for instance, like people who. What was the one? There was a really good one that I just read about recently. About um, I think it was it was like about nutrition and like the people who uh, were, were two groups of people controlled study. Two groups of people given two different given the same milkshake. And in one group, they were told, um, this is a high powered, nutrient dense, like, you know, you, you don't even have to eat for the rest of like everything's in this milkshake. And the other group were told, oh, this is just, you know, uh, this is a, a, a skinny thing, you know, it's going it's, it, it's, it's to satisfy this, this and this, but it's not going to really, um, it doesn't really have the nutrients in it to satisfy your appetite, but it was the exact same milkshake. So the people who got the dense one, their reaction afterwards was of being satisfied. Like, oh, I'm full. I don't need anything more. I, I feel really good. And when they measured the satiety hormone that we have called ghrelin, they found that that spiked for those people. Same milkshake. The other group was hungry. An hour later, like, I, I'm really starving. I did not get any food. I'm really hungry. And their ghrelin levels did not spike. Wow. So it was that power of suggestion and that power of what we really truly believe. So if you believe that you're a victim, if you believe the limiting beliefs that you're a woman and you can't do this or you can't do that or getting old is you know inevitable and getting old is a bad thing and once you have gray hair you're useless um you're going to you're going to live your prophesied thought pattern whereas you if you stay agile and you stay happy and you keep learning and you get out there and you engage with the world and you have your loved ones that you get to fed by then you're going to you know you're still going to slow down and you're still going to need glasses yep. and you're still going to possibly need a hearing aid or you know maybe not be able to ride a bike 20 miles a day whatever but you're going to feel like you can yeah yeah it's so important the lens with which we look at the world yeah. And that lens is created by so many factors in our current life, but a lot of it from our past life, you know, like meaning what we've experienced in this lifetime. And I think just awareness of that, as you have just brought the listeners, is a really important thing. As uh, one of um, my mentors would say, what I see in the universe sees me. Yeah. That's beautiful. Right? So yeah. if you leave the house thinking you're going to have a shitty experience, you're going to, you're going to meet that experience. It's going to yeah. be there. 
But if you leave saying, I've got nothing but love and loving people and helpful people appearing and beautiful supportive experiences, that's what you will see. If you don't believe me, just try it out. <laughs> right. And I just want to say also that, you know, it's not your imagination, though. Bad things happen. And, um, and you know, we all have bad days. You know, it was so funny. I can't even remember now. I can't even remember what it was like. It was like two or three weeks ago before I went on vacation naturally, um, where everything went wrong. Yeah. Like, I don't even, I think I, I think the morning started by my spilling coffee on myself in the car on my way to work, you know, and then it just was like downhill from there. It was like one major, like horrible experience after another. Uh, and I'm joking. It wasn't, obviously it wasn't really traumatic or horrible, but it was just like, oh, come on people. Like, can I just get on top of this day? Can I just progress to point B without yes. having like 400 obstacles thrown in my path? Um, the difference is that I think in the past, I probably would have been like, oh my God, my life sucks. Why is this happening? Uh, you know, the universe hates me. So-and-so hates me. I didn't get a phone call from that person that was supposed to, you know, I don't know what, you know, give me such and such. Now that's not happening. And instead it was like, oh my God, I'm having a bad day. Yes. <laughs> it's just a bad day. Yep. So you know what? Adjust my expectations a little bit. Maybe this isn't the best day to uh, have that meeting with my boss. And I mean, if I have to, I have to, but go into it knowing this is a hard day for me. And so don't try to... Mm -hmm. impress too much don't try to you know take a step back be a little more nurturing to myself a little more loving a little more forgiving and 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 adjust my expectations around what this particular day is giving me when I can do that I wake up the next day feeling better mm -hmm. as opposed to waking up the next day and being in this rut mm -hmm. yeah you know by the time I if I have days like that by the time I reach about the third thing that's causing me some grief. I have a, it literally flips the switch in my brain. I go, Oh, Oh yeah, that's happening. <laughs> right. Okay. So now, first of all, I need to change my perspective. Usually laughter does it for me. I'll have a little chuckle mm -hmm. and say, right. Life is absurd. And there's always a moment for me. I look at that and I go, it's too bad. I didn't take a moment to pause at how awesome yesterday was. I'm going to stop oh. and do that right now. <laughs> Right. And, you know, gratitude and laughter will shift pretty much everything that you have experiencing going on, but yeah, that you have experienced that it can be negative, right? It's all a matter of perspective. So I want to kind of bring us back to one of the first things you said to me when we started talking was about when you had the great pause of 2020 and you had the experience of meditation. Mm. And I want to say two things about that. Uh, first of all, as a brain health practitioner, I would like to say that remind my listeners that when we have that moment of pause, we engage something called the default network mode, which means that our brain can start to process the reality of what we're living in. We can integrate information, we can store new memories, and we 
we become a lot more emotionally stable when we give ourselves pause. It's the thing that we were berated for as children, which was daydreaming. What we were doing was actually engaging mm. this part of our brains, multiple areas of the brain that allow us to settle. Actually, Michael Pollan talks about the uh, default network mode in the psilocybin episode with Tim Ferriss. Um, but because um, there's been some really great research on it. But meditation is an excellent way to do that. Although I find for some women, the concept of meditation seems too far out there. Uh, again, it becomes one of those things on the to-do list. And I say, well, remember, you take three intentional deep breaths. Boo, that's meditation. Right. It doesn't have yeah. to be fancy. It just needs to be a pause without distraction. It can be 30 seconds long. It can be 30 minutes or three hours, right? So don't let that be the reason why you don't do it. I had another teacher. The second thing I'd like to say about that, I'm a meditator too. I have been for 20 plus years. It's uh, such an important part of my my life and my calming life's calming. It's a calming part of my lifestyle. If I find I'm getting really wrapped up in my, in my stuff, I go, oh, yeah, when's the last time I took meditated? Yeah. Okay. I got to do that because it's pleasure, right? It feels so good. Right. To Absolutely. It Absolutely. Really does. And so my teacher, one of my teachers said to me years ago, if you want shit to change in your life, you need to start meditating. I love it. <laughs> so discuss Sherry. What do you think? Oh, I think it's so true. So here's the thing, I think. So I just want to also say that part of our vital group program is also uh, launching something called what I like to call RLM, real life meditation. Love it. Because it's not the like sit down for a half an hour on your Zafus. It's still, I mean, it could be. That's the way I like to do it or I try to do it but it may not be for you that day. And remember that meditation takes very forms. I mean, meditation for some people, riding a bicycle is meditation for some people. Um, walking in the woods is meditation for some people. Um, you know, nursing a baby can be meditation for some people. Um, it's about stepping back from reactivity to observation and response. That's the way I like to think about it. And I know that it's working for me when in my daily life, whether I'm on a busy hospital shift or you know, moving my kid into college or whatever, um, that it's when I am able to be most present without judging myself, without judging the other people, without worrying about the future or resenting or regretting the past and where I have the, the most agility mm. to respond to what's happening around me without an, auto, an autopilot response because we get sucked into living on autopilot. And there's a good reason. Autopilot is a uh, survival adaptation for doing what is necessary for, for, for skipping all the neural dots and going right to the action of doing what's necessary in order to accomplish something. And this is very helpful with things like driving a car. You know, you get in the car, you know what to do. You turn on, you don't always have time to, you, know, you can't get into a car every time and sit there and be like, 
<laughs> turn on the ignition. I'm going to, I mean, hope you do those things because it's safe, right? You adjust your, your rear view mirror or whatever, but you, you get used to it and you know how to do it with your eyes closed, but you don't with your eyes closed because you don't drive a car with your eyes closed. But when we are living on autopilot, it's like, it's like driving a car with our eyes closed. We have short-circuited that, that adaptive response of like, oh, I know what to do here. And instead of like, I know what to do here with my eyes closed, so I'm just gonna do it until it's over so I can move on to the next thing. As opposed to being present, because that being present takes a moment to observe and to intentionally choose. And we can hone that skill through meditation. So I'm a huge fan of meditation. I really love sharing it with people and, and basic, and I love telling them there's no special way to do it. There are a couple of tricks. There are a couple of, you know, hacks sitting on his office. It's more comfortable than sitting on the floor, uh, closing your eyes for some people, focusing on your breath for some people, having a mantra for some people, but there isn't a perfect way to do it. It's learning how to disengage so that you can be more present. Disengage the autopilot, I guess, the cruise control, so that you can be more, more, more present and more responsive. It's a beautiful, beautiful wrap up. I love that. If you haven't yet embraced uh, meditation as part of your lifestyle, you need to do it now. If you need some help with it, go check out Sherry and Barb's program at jialife.com that's spelled j-a-i-a-l-i-f-e.com i've so enjoyed our time together thank you have i yeah no thank you thank you again for having us thank you for all that you do for women with your podcast and with your work as a functional medicine doctor i i know that your clients are very very lucky to have you Thank you. Thank you, Sherry. And uh, until next time, uh, take care, everybody. The views and nutritional advice expressed by Dr. Fiona Lovely are not intended to be a substitute for conventional medical service. If you have or suspect that you have a medical problem, promptly contact your health care provider. No information offered here should be interpreted as a diagnosis of any disease, nor an attempt to treat or prevent or cure any disease or condition. As with any new advice or program, you should always contact your healthcare provider prior to starting anything new. Thank you.